Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Recent updates with the Facebook and Instagram ad platform. The pause is over. You can now connect new bots to Minichat again. A couple of updates from the F8 conference. Omni-channel analytics. It goes from just being a messenger platform to actually being a commerce platform. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Hello and welcome to episode 149 of Perpetual Traffic. This is Keith Krantz. And on today's episode, we're going to be getting into some recent updates, changes, enhancements with the Facebook and Instagram ad platform. But super stoked uh, for you today. We've got some good stuff for you. I hope you're having a great spring heading into summer. Hope the weather's getting nice where you're at or maybe sort of heading into winter if you're on the other side of the world. Had some birthdays over here for me. My son Kyler's birthday was on the 10th. My birthday was on the 6th. So it's been a busy few days. Good times though. All right, let's get right into it. Molly, you're up. Hello, everybody. Molly here. I hope you're having an awesome week. So this week, we're obviously doing updates. And my updates are in regards to messenger marketing, chatbots, and specifically the mini chat platform. So we haven't done updates in a while. So I do have a few for you guys. And just FYI, we have a very special guest coming on next week. Uh, So open loop. Uh, we'll, We'll keep that one a surprise for you next week. But I have a few updates in regards to messenger marketing. The first is that if you didn't know, the messenger bot pause is over. 
So as we talked about about three or four weeks ago here on the podcast, Facebook actually restricted the ability to build any new bots on the platform. This uh, pause, we're calling it the, the great messenger bot pause, lasted about 35 days. And the reason that this happened is because of everything that went down with Cambridge Analytica, Zuck going in front of Congress. Um, and this wasn't even really anything to do with Messenger necessarily. What happened was that Facebook basically needed to audit any app that was collecting data through their platform. Of course, Messenger is an app, right? Facebook Messenger is an app that connects with the regular Facebook platform. So Facebook restricted the ability to create any new bots because they wanted to audit all of the existing bots, all of the existing apps to make sure that everything was compliant. Obviously, ManyChat follows the rules. They are compliant in the way that they allow us to access and collect data. So everything is good to go. The pause is over. You can now connect new bots to ManyChat again. So I just wanted to let you guys know I've had a lot of questions about that. People excited, ready to dig in and build their bot. And they're like, ah, it's not, it's not connecting. So as of about two weeks ago at F8, that was resolved and that pause is over. The other update that I wanted to give you guys is in regards to payments. Uh, so this happened about a month ago, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it on the podcast yet. But ManyChat now has the ability to accept payments through Messenger. This is open to any user of the platform. The first integration that ManyChat built was with Stripe in the US. So if you are in the US and you use Stripe to collect payments, you can now actually collect payments using ManyChat. What that means is that when someone is interacting with you on Messenger, they could click inside of Messenger on a gallery of product images, for example. Say they wanna buy you know, a white t-shirt, they could click on the t-shirt that they wanted to buy, Lightbox is going to appear that asks for their credit card information and they will hit submit and that payment will be processed right there in Messenger without them ever having to use the platform. Now, we are starting to roll that out across other countries like Australia. So, woo, uh, uh, if you're in Australia and you use Stripe, this feature is coming to you soon. We're also building out integrations with other payment processors. So this won't just be a Stripe thing. This will be available across the board depending on which payment processor you use in your business. So that's a huge update guys, that really changes this platform. It goes from just being a messenger platform to actually being a commerce platform. So that's a really big deal. And I'm really proud of the ManyChat team for making that happen. Last but not least, ManyChat's also released dev tools to the public. And what this means is that you can essentially build any integration that you want with the ManyChat tool within reason. So, you know, uh, last year, ManyChat built a Zapier integration. So that's allowed us to send data from any tool that integrates with Zapier to and from ManyChat. So, for example, a lot of people have been collecting email addresses in ManyChat and sending it over to Infusionsoft or MailChimp or whatever CRM or email service provider that you use. Now, with DevTools, anyone can integrate essentially any tool with ManyChat. So for example, I have a few clients that are on a proprietary CRM that they built themselves. Now that these dev tools are released,
least they actually have the ability to go ahead and build an integration between their proprietary CRM and the mini chat tool. So there was already a ton of functionality here with Zapier being able to integrate with Minichat. There was already a lot of things you could do, but now it really is an open book because you can, if you have a team or you hire an outsourcer, uh, literally build any integration that you want in your business. So really sit back and think, how am I using Messenger in my business? How could I use Messenger in my business more effectively if I had, you know, a certain integration and absolutely consider building something that, uh, you know, creates better systems and processes for your business. So those are the updates I have this week, guys. Again, I hope you're having an awesome week. Next week, we have a very special guest on and we will talk soon. Thanks. Hey, this is Ralph, and these are my three Facebook updates from this past week and actually from the past couple of weeks. A lot of stuff going on on the Facebook platform, not to mention uh, the F8 conference, which just got out about a week or so ago, and uh, lots of information there, some exciting stuff happening on the platform and cool things to be looking forward to. But I'm going to try and narrow this down to stuff that is going to be more relevant to you in the here and now as opposed to what's coming in our Facebook updates episode. So let's get right into it. So the first one is an announcement that um, Facebook is continuing to reduce as much as possible clickbait and links of low quality web experiences on the platform itself. And I think this is a continued not necessarily backlash, but a continued effort by Facebook to improve the user experience in the newsfeed, because as we all know, the newsfeed is actually sold out and they're looking for other ways in which to place ads inside uh, the platform itself, including Audience Network, Facebook Watch, obviously Instagram is a huge one that we're using here at Tier 11, as well as you know other ways in which to uh, expand reach and, and have other places to show your ads to relevant audiences. So in effect, uh, this is just a further cleanup. And I think, you know, anyone who's got any sort of experience with Google and SEO, you see these rollouts happen all the time inside Google. And sometimes they tell you, sometimes they don't. But our sense is that this is constantly an initiative that's in motion, that's going to be never ending. And then we get these announcements from Facebook that sort of tell us that there's a further cleanup of the newsfeed. So in essence, it really is important to, to keep in mind that you know, you continue to listen to the stuff that we talk about on the show here to keep you above board and really have your ads as high quality as possible, get you as low a CPA as you possibly can in your ads and have your ads be really, really engaging so that you, you know, achieve your business goals. So this is one of the things that did come out. This is, like I said, it's a revision of a previous policy, which came out about a year or so ago about clickbait and reducing links to low quality experiences. And the bottom line is this, is that Facebook realizes that when people click a link in an ad to a web page, if they immediately back click, we now know through our trip down to New York City with Chidi, uh, which was uh, outlined in episode 144, which was a great meeting that we had with them and their algorithm team to give us some further insights as to how to improve the quality of our ads, is that we now know that there is an outside firm that actually does view and goes in and looks at ads manually and gives a score or some sort of rating 
that has to do with user experience after the click. So we've long since thought that this was the case, that bounce rate is a factor in your overall place in the auction, as well as it probably affects your relevant scores and your cost per click, your CTR and everything else that goes along with it. But in essence, what this does is it's sort of a negative penalty of if somebody does click your ad and then immediately back clicks, that tells Facebook, that gives the algorithm a very strong signal that the landing page experience, the web page experience is less than ideal. So businesses should really be mindful of following best practices and make the website experience better and like filled with tons of content. And I remember seeing this like three years ago, we had an opt-in for a lead magnet and we were working with a company that was doing some conversion for this particular customer and they were absolutely awful. And on the thank you page after our opt-in, there was sort of a bait and switch with some kind of scammy offer that they threw in there. And we noticed as soon as they actually added that, we noticed, and this is two, three years ago now, we noticed that our CPCs, our cost per click, our cost per acquisition, our cost per lead started to increase with no real reason. The only reason was is that this idiotic company put this thank you page after our initial opt-in. So fast, fast back-clicking. But the point is, is that you want to make sure that when people actually do click on an ad, it's a great user experience and they're they're going to stay there and they're going to go deeper into your site. They're going to click on the links inside your website or, you know, engage with your video content or engage with your content, ultimately buy. So this is a negative signal that's sent back and uh, we're actually seeing it right now. And, uh, you know, in tier 11, without a doubt. So this is something that they've since announced after we kind of found this out a little bit on uh, episode 144. So definitely go back and listen to uh, episode 144 on our meeting with the really smart people who run the algorithm at Facebook. So another part of this update is once again, the use of pop-up ads or interstitial ads. It does not say anything specific about uh, pop-ups such as Optin Monster or Optimunk both services that we do like, but something that you have to keep in mind, I would actually test this on your site. We actually have customers right now that as soon as you you know, move your mouse back up over the web page, a pop-up then appears. And those typically have been okay with Facebook. So what this does not specifically address is exit intent pops. It talks about pop-up ads or interstitial ads, which disrupt the user experience. But if you do have an exit intent pop, like something like Optin Monster, which is the company that we really like in tier 11, you might want to test your Facebook ads with and without the exit intent pop, all things being equal and actually see what, uh, what happens there. So I think, you know, this is something that hasn't been specifically stated here, but user experience, once you actually click is a big deal right now. So we're going to have to get some further clarification on that, but we'll also be testing it here inside the agency. So once again, the the big thing is that you got to keep in mind that once people actually do click, are you misleading them? Are you giving them enough content so that they actually stay and don't bounce? That's the big question that you need to ask yourself. And if that user experience is disrupted, or at least from an outsider standpoint, is disrupted by an exit intent pop, your ads might be actually underperforming as a result of it. So definitely something to look at as Facebook really does continue to try to 
enhance or at least improve the user experience inside the newsfeed itself. So a lot of the other things are really just um, policy updates, and we're going to have a link in the show notes on Facebook policy updates. And I would uh, I would bookmark that page and just periodically take a look at it as it is updated you know, pretty frequently. I'm just looking at it here today. It looks like it was updated within the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, our partner manager, thankfully, keeps us abreast of all the changes that are going on so that we can uh, continue to enjoy using this awesome platform. So once again, another big part of this is just um, a continuation of the rollout of cracking down on clickbait ad content. And uh, this is typically just, you know, a line of copy or some kind of suggestive ad that prompts the user to click the ad with very little indication as to what's on the other side. The classic example is, you know, did you see this? You'll never guess what happens next, you know, and then throw in the old uh, ellipsis, the dot, dot, dot after that. So those are the types of things that you want to keep in mind here. Make sure that your ads are in the newsfeed are are not clickbaity. I mean, obviously we all want low cost per click and we want more conversions, but there's that fine line between what is clickbait and what is actually good user value and good user content so that you can uh, continue to grow your business and, and use Facebook as a platform to do that. So the second update is something that we're actually really excited about is the new features for automated rules. So not something that we've really talked about too much here on the podcast, but it's something that we've tested pretty extensively inside Tier 11. And automated rules are a way in which Facebook actually allows you to set up specific rules inside the ad set level so that your ads show based upon a, a pre-existing or a set parameter. So for example, some of the ways in which we use rules are you know, if the target CPA for a customer is $10, let's say we would, in order to scale that, we would write a rule inside automated rules that would say increase budget 10% or 30% every three days if the cost per acquisition is less than $10, something like that. So it's very, very effective. Uh, we've actually found uh, just recent tests for us is that we would, in most cases, use a, a three-day look-back period in those rules. What we found recently is that to scale up even faster and, and also not reset the learning quite as much. And once again, go back to uh, episode 144, where we go through what resetting the learning actually sort of means and what the algorithm sort of does when you change something at the ad set level. Uh, what we found is that if we set up automated rules that look back only one day instead of three days, but increase the budget a very, very small portion. So there's some really good resources that are out there, um, and we'll put these in the show notes as well, about the algorithm that actually states that the larger the percentage of increase that you actually do in your daily budget, the more there's learning that needs to be done. So let's say you have an ad set that's going pretty well at $100 a day and you're getting CPA that's exactly where you need it to be. If you set up a rule that says increase my budget, my daily budget 50% every three days if my CPA is below $10, that would require the Facebook algorithm to do more learning than if you did a rule such as this, increase my budget 10% 
you know, every one day or maybe every three days. And if my CPA is under $10. So the percentage of increase is directly related to how much relearning Facebook has to do. So in the case of the 50% automated rule, you'll probably have to wait longer, maybe three to seven days or maybe upwards of seven days or even more in order for the algorithm to reinitiate a learning phase and then understand where I can find that audience that's going to convert best under that cost per acquisition in the audience that you're targeting. But if you set a smaller percentage increase, that learning is a lot less. So what we're finding is, and this is a, a cool thing inside automated rules right now. So we're finding in some cases, and this is obviously something that you have to test. There's no hard and fast rule when it comes to Facebook is do a look back period of one day under your target CPA, and then increase by smaller amounts by 10%, let's say, or maybe 5% if you want to go really conservatively. We've probably talked here on the podcast that we sometimes increase by 15 to 30%. Uh, that does reset the learning a lot more than a 10% increase. So slow and steady kind of wins the race here. And also you can really control your, your cost per acquisition by doing that as well as scale at the same time, provided that you have a large enough audience. And once again, I mean, we always recommend using, you know, million plus people audiences to 2 million. At least that gives the algorithm enough targets in there to, to go out and find that cost per acquisition and then uh, put your ads in front of them, provided that you've got high quality ads and you've been following everything that I talked about in the first update. So the big um, news here on automated rules is uh, first off that we are using those rules right there with great effect. But now we have something that's actually really, really cool. We were pretty excited about this is you can now set a rule based upon return on ad spend. So a ROAS goal. So uh, that's a new feature that you can actually see inside reporting and in your drop down menu, just go and find return on ad spend. But this is a really effective one for us because sometimes the cost per acquisition isn't the most important thing. It's, you know, if a, if a customer tells us, hey, I want to get, you know, $10 CPAs, and that's great. But what they really actually want is they want more money. They want more purchases. So let's say if we've got an ad set that's at a $20 CPA, but the return on ad spend is, you know, 3.5. And we've got another ad set that's at a $10 CPA, but the the return on ad spend is 1.5. Well, if we have a rule that says stop that ad set or don't increase that ad set or maybe pause that ad set that's over $10 CPA the last three days, we might actually lose out on making more money for the customer. So this new rule, this new ROAS rule, which we have yet to deploy inside the agency, which we're really pretty excited about doing. I think it's going to be a game changer because I, I think rules are very cool. We have typically done this all manual, you know, using the tried and true Michigan method and the Michigan method go back to episode 71 of the Perpetual Traffic podcast, still using that to this day. And, you know, as, as much as Facebook has all these new cool ways to test, Michigan method still works, guys. Uh, it may not give you the the 100% accurate signal because you might not be able to get real statistical significance, but uh, it's a very effective way to test very quickly lots of different variations of your ad, ad copy, image, as well as your targeting. 
So uh, getting back to rules, rules is a way in which to manage those Michigan Method campaigns very effectively. And we have found that that one day look back window and a smaller percentage of increase uh, doesn't uh, you know disrupt the apple cart, so to speak, and uh, make the algorithm go back into a really deep learning phase. It just learns a little bit. So if you think about it that way, if you're doubling your budget at $100 up to 200 Facebook has to say, oh, crap, I got to go back and figure out how many other people can I get at $200 a day that are under $10 CPA? But if you only say, hey, increase it 10%, the algorithm says, oh, all right, I don't have to do that much work. I only have $110. I was only you know, spending $100 yesterday. This is much easier, so I don't have to learn quite as much. So think of it in those terms and definitely check out uh, that new automated rule for return on ad spend. I think uh, you're really going to like it. And we're, we'll, uh, we'll be reporting back here inside Perpetual Traffic as to what tests we found when it comes to uh, that ROAS rule. So pretty psyched about that one. And last but not least is uh, a couple of updates from the F8 conference, which we actually had one of our awesome account managers, Jenny, head out to San Jose. She got herself a way cool like VR virtual reality. I don't even know what the hell they're called. They're like sunglasses. They look like big blue blockers. But anyway, she was pretty psyched. She got one of those. Went out and represented uh, Tier 11 out there in San Jose. Saw Zuck Talk and everything else. Very, very cool. Two things that came out of that, which is probably too much for this podcast here, but virtual reality and augmented reality are a real, real deal. And Facebook is taking this very, very seriously. And you're going to see that more and more in ads, being able to uh, to actually use VR and AR in your ads, which we're going to be testing the hell out of in 2018. Hopefully it comes sometime in 2018. My sense is that it's still somewhat in development because they did actually talk about this last year at F8 in 2017. And uh, it's probably still in development, but some pretty cool stuff. They've got some big brands right now, like Sephora. Actually, you're able, Sephora is a a makeup brand, uh, actually allow you to be able to test and see what their various makeups look like on your face. So like in the newsfeed or in Messenger, but stuff like that, like that's really, really cool. So not only... Can you say, all right, here are these products that you should try, but how do they actually look? You know, I know a lot of companies like Warby Parker actually does this right now. Ray-Ban does this with, you know, go to their website and actually see how their glasses look on you, which is actually really cool. It's the same kind of thing here. You'll be able to actually do it as an advertiser and have people sort of virtually test out your products which is some pretty badass stuff. That's that's pretty cool. So anyway, that's more in development. One of the big things that came out of F8, which uh, not to end on a down note here, because I don't know if this is necessarily a great thing. I think this is Facebook maybe taking this a little bit too far on this whole Cambridge Analytica thing and trying to protect privacy. But they did announce that they have plans to build a new, what's referred to as clear history feature in the coming months. So clear history. It'll basically enable people to see information about the apps and the websites they've interacted with, and then easily remove this information from their account, just like they can do their browser's clear history option. So I think this is just a whole, you know, more of this transparency from Facebook's perspective. 
And I think this is one that's not great news for us as advertisers, which just means that we have to step up our game in other areas, which is fine. You know, the algorithm and the, the platform itself is constantly changing. And Facebook is not going to look the same today as it will, you know, a month from now, let alone a year from now. That's for sure. So as to what this looks like specifically, we'll probably have to uh, include that in another Facebook update on a future episode. So whether or not you can actually get it back once you realize that your user experience in Facebook is probably going to be really crappy and you're going to be shown really bad, irrelevant ads, you know, this is something that, um, that Facebook is going to be rolling out in the coming months. So we'll see how that one rolls out. But overall, you know, hey, they've been changing a lot of stuff here from partner categories to us not being able to see potential reach inside custom audiences. So you just got to roll with the punches and, you know, stay tuned here on Perpetual Traffic for the latest uh, tip of the spear, you know, strategies and, um, and tactics in order for you to help grow your business on Facebook. So those are my uh, three big updates for this week. Until next week, we'll see y'all then. Hey, this is Keith again. And for my update, I'm really going to be focusing on one main update and it's Facebook analytics. But before I get into the analytics, uh, I just want to touch on a couple things. Uh, number one is, you know, don't be afraid to start testing some more of Facebook's engagement audiences. They've got so many different engagement audiences now that you can create as far as custom audiences and lookalike audiences based on behavior. And when it comes to your custom audiences, a lot of times people are asking, you know, what's the best seed audience? You know, if I had to start with one custom audience to turn into a lookalike audience, as that seed audience, S-E-E-D, you know, should I use my customers? Should I use, you know, what's most important, recency, volume, or quality, you know, and and of course, all of those matter. Uh, But what I always tell people is try to find the highest quality list, but also get as much data as you can. So something with 10,000 names is much better than 100, right? And then as, as recent as you can, something, you know, a lot of times a list that's active in the last 30 days, might be much smaller or much less qualified than a high-level customer database that's larger, but they haven't bought anything for a year, you know? So those are some things to to consider. But also to consider is when you can, you want to be using the dynamic pixel audiences. And what I mean by that is basically like a conversion pixel. So if you're tracking leads or checkouts or add to carts, you know, those are dynamic and they're changing every day. And Facebook is updating those lookalike audiences created off of those pixel events every single moment, really every, every time it fires. And so whenever you can, you want to be using those dynamic lookalike audiences based off your the actions that are happening every day in your live campaigns. When you get into the analytics and start messing around, it, it'll, it'll really kind of motivate you to want to start doing more of this anyways, because you'll see all the different engagement audiences and all the ways you can use analytics. And you'll be like, oh man, I'm not using, you know, some of these things. I'm not using people who visit my site twice or maybe combinations. Like they visited my site twice and they also spent a certain amount of time or added to cart or something like that. And so I think just getting into analytics will motivate you to start leveraging more of the custom audiences and lookalike audiences that you have. The other quick thing I want to touch on is don't be afraid to test out using different campaign objectives for any campaign, but specifically further down the funnel, like retargeting campaigns, retargeting ads 
farther down into the funnel. Maybe you've got a dynamic product ad targeting people that have added to cart or viewed content or just a regular, you know, retargeting ad based off of a page that people visited. Maybe they landed on your tripwire sales page, but they didn't buy, you know, those types of things. And when you do that, you're going to be targeting smaller audiences, warm audiences. And what most people do is they just always go right to that conversion objective because they're in, they're used to it and they're, they're thinking, okay, I'm trying to generate leads or customers. So I want to use that objective, right? Well, the problem is, is that when you do that, yes, that's true. But when you have a smaller audience, you already know that they probably might have a higher likelihood to convert because they've already shown that by landing on your website or by watching a video or whatever behavior they've made. So you've already narrowed that down. And so the other thing is that, think about it, most competition, smart marketers, people that are doing direct response marketing, they're usually using the conversion objective. So one thing to always try to remember is that you're going to reach different people within the same target audience when you're using different campaign objectives. So if you're targeting an audience that's got, let's say, 500,000 people in it, well, if you're using the conversion objective, your ad is going to be placed in front of different people within that same audience than it would be if you're using a video view objective or a reach objective. So always remember that, okay? So most of the competition is going to be probably using the conversion objective, And also the thing is, is a pretty widely used strategy lately is to use video views or just the traffic objectives for retargeting because for the same reason I'm talking about right now, you know, you already know they're already warm. So like, let's just get clicks, tell Facebook to get as many people as possible. Well, there's actually a pretty good amount of competition on those objectives as well. So maybe try something like one of the awareness objectives, which is brand awareness or reach. Try that. I have with warm audiences and it works well. It might not work every time, but something to try. Worst case scenario, you're going to hit a different type of person and hopefully you'll probably be making an impact on that person either way. So I'm going to go ahead and get right into it with my updates. My main update today is going to be around Facebook analytics. This is Facebook's platform that they've been working on for several years and has been live for, for a while now. And it's not like a brand new update, but it's something we haven't really talked about much in this podcast. So I wanted to address it. And it's not the reporting tool or any of that. It's actually a separate analytics section meant to sort of rival Google Analytics. Facebook Analytics, what does it do? Well, what it does is it lets you see how your Facebook and Instagram traffic relates to all your other traffic. It's it's not just Facebook reporting. Think about Google Analytics or some third-party tracking software. Okay. It gives you uh, a lot of things, but basically it gives you the ability to see lifetime value of users based on activity, traffic source, lets you visualize your entire sales funnel. You can get in there and you can make these cool uh, charts and graphs and funnel maps. It's, It's super cool. You can also easily review overlapping audiences. You can do quite a bit. And I'm going to compare Facebook analytics to Google analytics in just a second here. But one question that I think a lot of people have is, you know, Can I use this to track activity from other sources, not just my Facebook ads? Can I measure activity across multiple channels in Facebook analytics? Or how can I use Facebook analytics to understand how my users arrived at my website? Facebook actually calls this omni-channel analytics. (laughs) And the answer is yes, you, you can actually track how people come to your website if they came just by search or from a referral. So you can really start to compare 
how your Facebook ads are doing compared to everything else and just really what your buyers are doing before they actually make that purchase. Now, I know one of the things that's frustrating is trying to really get that accurate data, right? It's like, oh man, attribution is such a pain in the butt because it's just almost impossible to try to really get the, the attribution perfect, right? And you know, that's always going to be the case. But the thing is, is that Facebook uses the you know, quote unquote people-based tracking. They're not using the cookies like Google Analytics uses and, and most other platforms. They're using people being logged in. That's basically how they, they track people. So Google is using cookies to, to track visitors and Facebook is using logged in user tracking. You know, they call it people-based tracking. And according to Facebook, it's a better underlying tracking mechanism. All right, so you might be wondering, you know, is this something I can replace Google Analytics with or my third party? Maybe you're using some other thing like Improvely or Wicked Reports or Kiss Metrics or something like that. And I think that's Facebook's ultimate goal. Absolutely, right? They want you to be just all... Facebook all the time. And I'll just going to give you a little pros and cons and kind of compare the two. So Facebook analytics versus Google analytics. So I'll call it Facebook FBA versus GA. All right. So GA, which is Google analytics is really the current dominant tool right now. It's, it is for good reason. It's, it's free. It's been around for a long time and it's just got so many different options. Really Google analytics has more, a lot more options to customize reporting it's got enhanced e-commerce tracking, custom dimensions, user ID tracking, calculated metrics, and a lot more. Facebook is developing a lot more, but you know it's, it's really still difficult to kind of measure and, and analyze your data within Facebook analytics. Like I said, Facebook's got a better underlying tracking mechanism, supposedly, the logged in tracking, and supposedly better demographic, psychographic data, and more accurate lifetime value reporting. The thing is, though, is Google Analytics is so much more than just an analytics tool. It's really become more of a suite of tools and a hub for other tools to to connect to, like Google Tag Manager. You know, it's got so many different things like Google Tag Manager, Google Optimizer, Data Studio, real-time reporting, the URL builder. Plus, there's tons of plugins and Chrome add-ons for Google Analytics, like the debugger and DaVinci and all these things where you can literally have preset dashboards that you can import those into your Google Analytics by using a Chrome, a Chrome add-on. Now, I'm sure those are going to start coming with Facebook if they haven't already, but there's a lot. Okay. So at this point, I would say that Google Analytics is just, it's just got more, you know? Uh, but the thing is, is if you're serious about this stuff, why try to choose one or the other. I think it should be absolutely both. I think you should be using Google Analytics as well as Facebook Analytics. And this is just going to give you that redundancy. And it's also going to get you in there and starting to see as Facebook starts to roll out more features and benefits, you might start to find that you like Facebook better and it's more accurate maybe. So that's all I'm saying is we're going in there, we're getting in there and I recommend you doing it too. And like I said, just by doing that, you're going to be able to see all the other opportunities that you might be missing out on as far as strategies, audiences and stuff like that. So if you want to use Facebook analytics to create like real, it's got really cool dashboards and funnel maps that you can create. It's pretty cool. Here's how you do it. Basically, first thing you do is you want to make sure you've got Facebook events set up. So you got to make sure you've got events set up in the code all the way through your site. And 
you can go and you can create an event like a view content, add to cart, add to wish list, add payment info, initiate checkout, search, lead, complete registration, purchase, all those things, right? Maybe you can create one or two. It all depends. Um, the next thing you want to do is you want to build a new event source group. So you have to create an, an event source group or ESG. This is, is basically how you kind of do things. This is how you're going to be able to create events to track based on UTM perimeters and referral traffic and those things and things like that, and as well as create cool charts and customer journey maps. So like this is how you can create a lifetime value flow chart based on user engagement or source or all these other different ways. It's pretty cool. Want a visual funnel map to compare like how different offers are performing? You can do that. Or compare the lifetime value of like a 25% video viewer versus 75% video viewer or tons of other options. You can do that. Want to see how people who visit your site or online store twice compared to people who come once. Uh, lots of different things you can do. It's pretty cool. And like I said, you can create a funnel inside of that. So I recommend getting in there. And actually over the next couple of weeks inside Facebook Ads University Elite and our Elite Level group, uh, we're going to be, we do live webinars uh, once a week. So it's pretty cool with hot seats and everything. And over the next couple of weeks, we're actually going to be getting in and, and doing some of this stuff and building some of these maps inside Facebook Analytics. So if you want to kind of hop in and take a look at it, I'll shoot you a, a trial link. It's a paying membership. I'll shoot you a link to a trial. You can also get a trial on the back end uh, of my free book kind of offer. We're doing our, we're launching our free plus shipping book offer this week as well. So to make it easy for you, just text me at 425-230-4398 and type in the word fly. And I'll give you a link to take a test flight <laughs> of uh, our elite level Facebook Ads University. So once again, it's 425-230-4398. And that's over at Dominate Web Media. And I'll shoot you a link to that. This is Keith. And uh, if you want to, you know, get more of this stuff. Otherwise, uh, get in there and just try it out. Get in there and mess around. And uh, I think you'll be glad you did. All right. So that's it for me. That's Facebook analytics. Get in there and test it out. Also get in there and, you know, look at some of the other engagement look like audiences and test out some of those other campaign objectives. All right. Hope you enjoyed that episode. We, we really enjoyed giving it to you. We, we love doing this. Uh, once again, if you want to access the show notes, anything we recommended or anything we mentioned, any links, images, anything like that, head to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 149, 149. And uh, until next week, we will talk to you soon. Have an awesome week. Have an awesome weekend and uh, talk to you in a few days. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. John Moran here. Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong but you can't quite put your finger on what, 
Go to tier11.com forward slash apply. That's tier11.com forward slash apply. And we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.